0: And here we are. We are back again. Of course... Today is a very very special show. Yes. Because it is May 4th. May the 4th. And as everyone will see on the, our video pack later this week, May the 4th be with all of you because we have a plethora of Star Wars from the original, the original Star Wars trilogy through Star Wars Rebels and beyond.
1: You have a VHS tape there, right? The yes, v- H- yes, wow. VHS
0: too. I'm trying to trying to show love to all all the decades of Star Wars here today.
1: You know, I was talking to a friend of mine, and, and I one day I would love to actually watch Star Wars one through the end right. up to J.J. Abrams. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah, would be yeah, and that I, my stomach. I was I was hungry. I had half a donut, so I apologize for that. That was not a Brian Leone sound effect. That was my stomach. Um, The Force was not with me at that moment. Uh, But have you ever done that? Have you ever watched? Oh, absolutely. Oh, no. Really? Oh, yeah. Really?
0: Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. And
1: and your thoughts watching the whole thing?
0: I love it. Oh, okay. I love it. You know, you see the good, the bad, the ugly, and, you know, and the chewy.
1: The chewy. Art, is Lucas's first three underrated, you think, or considering what he did with digital? Or... What is, what is your thoughts on his?
0: I mean, I love them. They were cutting edge. They were new at the time. At the they time, they right. hold up to this day. Empire Strikes Back. Empire and Sith, I still think, are the two best okay. of the, the Sith. Okay. All right.
2: Yeah.
1: All right. That yeah. is a minority opinion.
0: Yeah. Well, that's me. That's cool, me. though. Yeah, I, that's good. That's good. You know, I'm known for my minority opinions.
1: The look of the Sith, by the way, is just, gore. I love it's it. It's phenomenal. Yeah. It's so. just
0: phenomenal. Yeah. But for those of you just joining us, this is Behind the Lens. It is Monday, May 4th. I'm Debbie Elias. I'm sitting here with my cinematic cohort, Greg Srizavazdy.
3: Yes.
1: You pronounce my last name better than me now. So. I know. So I, good, I I, good I, I work that.
0: on it. I work on it. You <laughs> so. can find me in newspaper publications and online all over the world, Moviesharkdeblore.com. My site, Moviesharkdeblore.com. Greg's site, DeepestDreaming.com. Yes. DeepestDream.com.
1: DeepestDream.com. Yes. I'm always deepest dreaming, though.
0: Well, obviously. Yes,
1: so. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But we have another fun show mm-hmm. for you today. We're going to go a little Inside Out, hear what Peak Doctor has to say about uh, the upcoming Inside Out film. We've got my pal Molly Elfman joining us uh, probably 1110, 11, 1115 11, to talk about Fun Size Horror, the horror slash comedy anthology of shorts. That is now on DVD. Molly packaged this whole thing together. I executive produced one of the, uh, one of the shorts in there. Uh, Molly produced, directed, and wrote, I think, three of them that are in there, and then an assortment of stuff from other people. So it's really cool, and we're going to talk about that. At 1130, we've got a relatively new director, Vahi Gabuchian, calling in about a new collegiate hijinks film with a little more subtext than we're used to. called The Party Is Over. Okay. And in the second half hour, hopefully, we also get into some of my exclusive with that still a heartthrob Jason nice. Priestley, who makes yeah. his feature film directorial debut with Cass and Dylan, starring none other than Richard Dreyfus.
1: Nice! I get to see that movie. So.
0: It is mm-hmm. absolutely amazing, and Jason yeah. is so passionate about it. And you'll hear later in the show what he has to say about it. But right now. You have something to talk about, about our good friend, Jane Clark.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, Jane, she's been on the show a couple times, right? A couple times already. We both love Jane's movie, Crazy Bitches. How would you describe that film? Horror, comedy kind of
0: Horror comedy. It's horror comedy with great sarcastic wit.
1: Great sarcastic wit. Basically, it's several women and a guy that go out to kind of a little bit of rest and relaxation in some kind of remote ranch and one by one kind of like and then there were none they're slowly off by some random mysterious killer so it's kind of a whodunit kind of a melange of mm-hmm. so many different styles but anyways on my site on my deepest stream site I'm giving away two DVDs of crazy bitches it's and it's signed by Jane Clark herself and um, check it out I just posted the uh, giveaway today and I'm gonna put it up for a couple of weeks so um one of the reasons why I really love the DVD is the director's commentary.
2: <laughs> you know, if you're,
1: We're both film geeks, and Jane, throughout the commentary, gives a great, incisive, and actually realistic look at the at the highs and lows of indie filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And if you're really into the whole machinations, behind-the-scenes look at you know how to actually shoot an indie film, getting your budget, the remote locations, different film terms, it's a total... Worth, worth checking out. The movie's worth checking out, number one, but the commentary is something I'm actually definitely going back to uh, time and time again. And I learned a lot of stuff through the commentary.
0: Well, so. you know, and she's been very open and forthcoming with us here on the air right. talking about some of her challenges and, you know, getting this project made and then the subsequent issues involving piracy uh, with digital downloads. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, Jane's very insightful. She has, you know, she's one of those directors. You know, guerrilla filmmaking is learned from the ground up, and you know.
1: Yeah, one of the things I really love about her aesthetic is even with a low budget. I'm assuming I'm thinking the movie was budgeted at like about a mill or a little bit more than that. She has a great visual eye, and the yeah. movie doesn't look like a cheaply made film. So, anyways, check out my site and um, and check out the Crazy Bitches giveaway.
0: Definitely, definitely, and we know that she's working on a sequel to it, and uh, when she has that ready to rock and roll, you know, we'll hear about it first.
1: CB2 probably, yeah.
0: Absolutely, and, uh, well, we're waiting, I'm getting, I'm getting hand signals and all from our sound engineer, Brian, this is just so fascinating and interesting, (laughs) because we have, we have, no, we don't, okay, we don't. We don't. That's good. We thought we had Molly on the line. Oh, she's gonna call back. She's gonna call back. Okay, I'm, I'm sure getting typed, back. misspellings, grammar queen here is like having a coronary. Never mind. That's fine. Well, very
1: quickly about <laughs> Crazy Bitches. A thing I love about that film as well is if you're a big fan of Steadicam shots, there's a ton of Steadicam shots. Yeah,
0: there. yeah. So now, I mean, she's got Jane has some incredible cinematography going on in there, and you know, really takes advantage of her surroundings and makes the most of it. And and now. Now yes. we have the delightful Molly Elfman. The delightful Molly Elfman, are you there? A little bit quiet, but I am here. <laughs> Good morning, Debbie yeah. Molly. I'm getting a text message back here from from sound engineer Brian. Molly's on now. I'm an okay speller. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He got okay right though. He got okay.
0: Good. He got okay right in Suck. his message, but we're not going to comment on the rest of it. <laughs> I am so thrilled, so excited that Fun Size Horror is now available for everybody to see.
4: I know, isn't it exciting? It's been. It's. It, it feels like both a long time and a very little time that we've been able to do all of this. I but, mean, this yeah,
0: is, Volume One. So now, for everybody that doesn't know, I mean, because they've heard Ned talk about Bitter, the segment, the short that I exec produced. Yeah, and this isn't the first. You and I have exec produced also on Bunker. Yes, with Ned before. With Ned before. Yes. So see, we're, what we're doing is you and I are setting everybody up for the next project, which will be you and me. Yeah,
4: <laughs> absolutely. You know that Ned guy; he's pretty cool. But we'll probably, you know, we'll figure that out. But, but no, you but. know, we
0: got some other people. You know. That might get us more financing.
1: (laughs) I'm going to text Ned right now. Oh no, I love Ned. Ned Ned always
0: and forever. Oh, you know I love Ned. Yes. I wouldn't have done as many projects with him as I have if I didn't. So but now, for everybody that doesn't get this concept concept of fun size horror, tell us what it is and how this brilliant idea struck you.
4: Well Well, first of all, I think we're still figuring out exactly what fun size horror is. I think that that's kind of something that will be consistently evolving and that we've been working very hard on trying to really uh, sort out and explain to people. But I think that it's something that, first of all, uh, I, I was not the original creator of this. Zeke Pinheiro was actually the original creator and is still our creator and our you know, overlord, as we like to call him. Uh, but he was the person who, uh, while I was gone finishing what is now titled Before I Wake and, and in that crazy world, he was uh, gearing up and getting a ton of filmmakers that he's you know, known over the years and a lot of people who are extraordinarily talented but not necessarily always given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Or they're, some of them are named people, but they don't get the opportunity to just go be silly and play and do something that they really care about and really want to do. So, in a very short form fashion, uh, the nice thing about doing shorts is that you actually have the opportunity to take these wild risks because you're, you're not, you know, you're not giving yourself a year to finish a project. You're giving yourself basically six weeks, is six to ten weeks, is kind of our our usual kind of turnaround. But basically, what this started was Zeke uh, came up with this idea. He wanted to have 31 films come out for Halloween 2014. Uh, and I don't know how. Well, I kind of know how because I, I ended up helping out. <laughs> but somehow it actually happened. Uh, and that's also thanks to uh, yeah, Bloody Disgusting, Badass Digest, Shot T Drop, uh, Collider, and Dread Central, who helped us premiere all of these, which was online. So basically what we did was we made 31 short horror films, uh, which was a bunch of filmmakers all on their own putting this together, I think I ended up producing about nine or 10 or something like that. I acted in one, I directed another, Zeke oversaw everything, Michael May, who I've produced with a ton, ended mm-hmm. up coming on board too to help out because it was just completely overwhelming and needed extra hands and extra brains. Um, and then so we released them online Halloween week and we kind of did an online trick-or-treat is what we said, is like go trick-or-treating for these videos online for one week only uh, and now what we've done is we've taken those films and we've bundled them all up into a very <laughs> full anthology film uh, that came out on May 1st, just last Friday, uh, through Gravitas and is available.
0: And, of course, this is the alternative programming to go into the theater to see Avengers Age of Ultron.
4: Exactly. You know, whatever, you know, maybe when you've seen that, you just want something a little bit extra or you want a little taste before you go out. The nice part about it is that, look, we're, it's, it's a huge anthology. There's... Uh, I believe there's 21 films actually in the feature because we couldn't fit all 31 in and still come in under 90 minutes as part of our problem, which was extraordinarily tricky. But it's they're little... They're, is they're it little 21 people. or
0: 18 or something? I'm not even sure. I'm sorry? 21 or 18, somewhere in there. <laughs> there's a lot of them. I watched it. I've seen them all. <laughs> what do you think? I am in love with Knock Knock. It, that one is so great and perfect timing because it is so reminiscent of what we've just seen from Jennifer Kent with uh, the Babadook from yeah. Australia. So uh, I am in love with Knock Knock. Bad Eggs is absolutely adorable.
4: <laughs> that was one of those ones that I remember when we first saw that. We were all like, people are going to love this or hate this. There's certain ones that have a clear divide. I love that one. I, I just I think that it's so ridiculous and wild, and, and just the the audacity to kind of move forward with that is. I love fantastic. that
0: one. Happy birthday is not one of my favorites. No, why is that? I, be, well, we can't we can't give away spoilers.
4: Okay, all right. Oh, oh, I think I know why. Yes, I, think I just figured it out. Yeah,
0: I it, 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 you know. that one. That one's dicey it's a little bit. That different. one's dicey.
4: Well, you know, the nice part, the whole entire point of this was first of all, we are, we are very adamant on having no crossover. And last year there was a little bit, but this year cuz we are moving on to volume 2 right now, we we want there to be no crossover. So, ultimately, when you have 31 films and no crossover, there's everybody has different favorites. There's no way mm. that everybody that i talked to literally there's almost no crossover i think uh there's certain ones that definitely had bigger production value and there's certain ones that are a little bit cleaner and that's frankly because they had more resources Mm -hmm. but that being said everybody kind of has their own preference and you know we always say that we're basically a big bag of candy and you know you pick out your favorite ones and that's that's of the whole point of this
0: entire <laughs> of everything that we're well, doing perfect example is you look at something like voice which is yours uh, yes thank you and you know and persephone we've got black and white in there and i w- and i love the way the whole package is done because you go from a, bl- a short little quickie black and white film to and to this vi- bright vibrant outdoor happy birthday film with little kids and balloons and and party things so it throws you off balance mm-hmm. much as like what a hor- a well-constructed horror film as a whole will do
4: well I'm glad that you saw that because it's not just they're not just randomly placed back to back there was actually some thought process that went into that and hopefully a few little fun gags that you're gonna find um, and again that was Zeke kind of orchestrating and it was funny because we actually had an email chain going we're like how do we how are we gonna put these together what are we gonna do? and i think we all sent each other at the same time like almost the exact same email in terms of order and we were and it's just it's coming up with little fun things that just connect one from the other whether it be you know knife play from one to the next with two completely different contexts or you know indoor to outdoor and, and just playing with things as much as we possibly can uh, again we, we really take the fun part of fun size horror very seriously
0: yeah i mean the it's it, the anthology is packaged so well that way but what I also found really interesting, because so often when you get anthologies, mm-hmm. you've got title cards and things in between, so it disrupts the flow. You yeah. also avoid that.
4: We do. And I think part of the reason is, is you know, I get why people do the title cards. They really want to make sure that everybody knows this is this film and this is that. We want, you know, we're, we're a team. Uh, we All the filmmakers support all the other filmmakers. And if one succeeds, everybody succeeds. If one fails, everybody fails. And... So we wanted to really give it its best shot at actually playing as one hopefully very fun, not so fun size, but fun horror film. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that was very important because if you don't get into some kind of flow uh, and allow yourself to kind of, get caught up in that it it just it does it feels like tiny little pieces and the goal of actually doing a feature film was we've already released the pieces we're trying to find a way to actually tie these together Mm -hmm. and and make it an enjoyable experience to watch from from the top all the way to the bottom
1: just from your, your experience what are the key elements components for you as far as being a producer what kind of skill sets do you need especially when you're calling together and organizing
0: all these shorts
4: uh insanity um, <laughs> he, never,
0: he never asked me these questions, you know. I, you know, I'm a producer too, but people don't ask yeah. me that, you know.
4: Um, you know, I, I think what's important. First of all, it's, it's, it's never just any one producer. It's always uh, Zeke, Michael, and I we work together constantly. We're always in rooms bickering about everything, uh, and, and of course, making jokes and getting along. But you know, we every it, you got to bicker to get through it all. But yeah. I think for it's keeping an open mind, um, and it's really uh, it, it's, it's having both an idea of a structure and things that are absolutely needed, and then it's also knowing that you're going to completely lose that at a certain point, and, and being completely comfortable with going down new routes and, and coming up with new ideas. Uh, and also knowing that you know, we really try to empower our filmmakers. We are not sitting here trying to micromanage anybody. Uh, the entire point and kind of the structure of how we set up this year as opposed to last year is we're trying to give filmmakers the opportunity to actually go and do something fun and creative. Um, and so we do a lot of kind of setting up <laughs> the groundwork for them so that hopefully they have some you know a playground to go play on. Um, so we're, we very much assist. And we, we help people, but we're not trying to uh, in any way curb their uh, creativity. Uh, and so I, you know, but in order to be a good producer, I mean, I, I have it's magic. Some days you're better than others. Uh, it's it's knowing what you need, it's knowing where you need to get to, and it's always keeping that end goal in mind, which is that we we love filmmaking, we love we love working with filmmakers, and the thing that we're always looking for is that next crazy person who has an amazing idea that nobody's heard of before, and being open to that. Um, So, yeah, does
1: that answer that question? I'm not even sure. Yeah, yeah, it did. And just very quickly, will that same kind of playground and aesthetic go into Fun Size Horror Volume 2? Is that the same kind of
4: operations for that? Well, for Volume 2, what we've done is we definitely learned a few lessons last year Uh, One is that when you have so many different filmmakers working with so many different companies, it makes it very difficult. Um, So this year we've actually partnered with a bunch of vendors. Uh, Sound of Ram is doing all of our sound for us, everything from uh, production through post. And then we have uh, more companies that come in and help us with G&E, camera companies, post facilities. And the reason being is because not only do you have 31 filmmakers, but they're all working out of different post houses just trying to keep track of where everybody is. Uh, becomes <laughs> almost your daily goal and and that shouldn't be the case again We want to actually be able to make sure that we're focusing on the quality of these shorts and our filmmakers and allowing them to do stuff As right. opposed to just where is everything? Yeah. So this year what we've really done is set up uh, much more of a playground we have yeah, All the the nitty-gritty boring stuff, you know the insurance the the paperwork the SAG agreements <laughs> We're kind of helping people through all of that so that yeah. hopefully they actually have an opportunity to do more stuff that they actually want to be able to do and focus on that. It's very hard when you have, when you're worried if your camera is going to be on set the next day, for directors to be thinking uh-huh. about, oh, what's my shot list, uh, and so, you know, so an actor instead of them having to think about what am I, you know, what's this or what's that, what's my call time to actually have an ad that's actually running the set so that they can focus on their performance. And the same thing goes for the entire team. So we've set it up a little bit more. We also have set up a website, funsizehorror.com, okay. uh, which will be launched soon. Uh, and that'll have a lot more details on kind of the structure of how we've set everything up for this year. Um, and the other thing is is that we read, I think I think we've read over 275 scripts this year. Oh, my God. So, uh, and that was, we didn't even post anything publicly because at the moment, it's just the three of us kind of trying to put all this together. So that was, that was enough. <laughs> wow. So it's, it's been really great in bringing, you know, some filmmakers back from last year, including Ned, by the way. I know. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then also finding new people that we just never even knew of that are so incredible and exciting and bringing, uh, you know, ideas that we never could have imagined. So that's, that's very exciting. And then the release for this we'll, we'll figure out. It's going to be a little bit different this year. There will be 31 new horror films this Halloween for sure. Uh, We will be setting up a website, though, where people can post their videos. It's user-generated content as well as fun size horror content. Oh, nice. Anybody who has any horror films, uh, we will help you publicize them. We will help you get them out. We will have deals that help get these shorts made into features. So... Please go to the website. Well, I think it'll be up in the next week or two, funsizehorror.com, and, and you can get a lot more of that info there. Well,
0: it's great that that website's going to be up, but for right now, for people that want to experience fun-size horror right this minute today, yep. how do they get it, and where do they go to get it?
4: iTunes, Amazon, uh, Xbox. I believe it's on almost every VOD platform at the moment. Um, you can also go to funsizehorror.com. We do just have a splash page that has a link to everywhere that it is available. Uh, it's available through some TV uh, channels. I believe Comcast is showing it and a couple of others. But I would say the easiest way is iTunes, Amazon, anywhere on VOD. Uh, you can likely pick that up. Uh, yeah. And what's the cost? Uh, what, it, it depends, actually. <laughs> it's a little bit different everywhere, but I believe it's about $12. Well, that's not bad. Yeah. 85 minutes of entertainment. 85, yes, I'm looking, yes, it's twelve ninety-nine on iTunes. I just had to look that up myself. Um, and I woman,
0: just, woman, you're supposed to know how much money, so I know when I can recoup an investment. You know, <laughs> oh, I, oh. come on, come on.
4: Oh, we'll deal with all that later. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's actually, we are very grateful for Michael May for that because uh, I am not the best when it comes to that side of the accounting, and I uh, thank God for him who really helps us keep everything together and remind, it's kind of, Zeke is the very creative one and he has these great ideas and I'm the very I'm kind of like, let's package it and do all of this stuff and I'm obsessed with calendars and like doing all that and then Mikey's the one who likes to remind us, guys, if you don't have insurance you ain't doing any of it. And we're like, Oh yeah So it's a good team.
0: Yeah. Everybody's a little creative and a little obsessive. No, but everybody now hard copies of the D V D, that's available too.
4: Uh, hard copies are not available at this point. Uh, hopefully, we'll have that available down the line, and I'm not exactly sure their release date at this point. At the moment, it's just purely VOD.
0: That, that still works. <laughs> that still works. So now, what's happening with your other feature ventures that I know you've been working on for a while? Jesus Hates Zombies, Scared Airs, you finished, right?
4: Scared? It? No, we're, no, we're actually just, uh, oh, we, we just started to package that one together again. Uh, I got caught up in Before I Wake, uh, which will be coming out September 25th uh, at the end of, I guess, early fall, mm-hmm. which I'm very excited about. It'll uh, be my first kind of film of that level coming out, and it'll be in theaters everywhere, hopefully. Um, and so we have that. Uh, but all the other projects... It's, there's a lot of them. Uh, fun Size Horror has kind of taken over our life. The other thing <laughs> is is we have three films from last year that were shorts that got just very popular, and we have features written, so we're now pushing those into mm-hmm. development. And the idea this year as well is is finding those shorts. Some of the shorts just work great as short little pieces, but some of them also have legs,
5: mm-hmm. and picking
4: those ones out and really starting to push those. Uh, but, yes, yeah, Scared Airs is gearing up again. I don't, I'm not allowed to announce anything. That's quite okay. Yet. That's so okay.
0: Close. You, know, you and I have been talking about scared airs for a number of years now. Oh, God, it's so good, isn't it? I, I'm just, I'm dying. I am dying for you to get this made.
4: I know. It's, it's getting very close. And then uh, I'm working with uh, Karen Gillen. we have a film called Tupperware Party. Uh, which
0: okay, that's is, a horror film in and of itself.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's definitely darker than the title would have you, lead you to believe. Um But she, we've just been gearing up, and we've been setting that one up in Scotland, and so hopefully that one will be shooting this year. Uh, At least that's the plan for the moment. Um, And then we, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff in the works right now, a bunch of stuff in development that we're pushing forward, and just very eager to get back on set. And we're we're just starting to shoot Fun Size Horror uh, Volume Two. Uh, and getting those rolling, so that's very exciting. And, you know, we, we just have to shoot 31 of those, so that's, you know... Ah, oh, piece of no cake. Piece of cake. So easy, right? You've done it once, you can do it again. Okay. <laughs> well, we barely survived. I remember while we were doing the release last year, uh, Michael May was actually finishing his uh, feature film that he has going on. Zeke, uh, by the end of it, uh, I think something was going on with his, his tooth, and he had this horrible, like... Root canal, And I remember him, he needed to go to the dentist so bad, but I was like, you just have to help, finish, help me finish the delivery. And I think we almost killed him. I think we got pretty close. Okay, to that's end. a
0: horror film in and of itself that needs to be made.
4: Oh, it is. And by the way, it's, it's really hard when you do these. Like, literally, you're looking around constantly, and you're like, now that's a horror film. We have, we have a great one that we've come up with for, you know, the, for influencers and people that we have that are completely addicted to Twitter and their cell phones.
0: Uh oh. So, uh oh. We got some
4: fun stuff there, um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think it almost killed most of us last year. I remember after Halloween, I was just about ready to keel over. Uh, it was it was both a very exciting Halloween and an extraordinarily exhausting Halloween, uh, and I look forward to that being kind of a yearly thing now.
0: Hey, you got to have something to look forward to. <laughs>
4: Yeah, exactly. Going straight to my grave, but if I do, I'll film it on the way. (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: Well, my friend, I am so glad you could call in today. I am so glad to be
4: here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: And you'll have to come down in person one day when you're, because I know for people who don't know, Molly was just at the Stanley Film Festival.
4: Oh my God! And that was I I, I I'm not exactly sure what's real or what isn't. Still, I'm still I'm still kind of in the game uh, of the Stanley Film Festival. For anybody who hasn't gone, you have to go. It is one of the most amazing film festivals and horror experiences that I think I've ever had in my life. It was. It is
0: amazing. Well, hopefully you'll be back there again next year with before I wake.
4: Oh, that would be well, and also a fun size horror, let's not forget.
0: Let's not forget. I'm trying to push your feature film endeavor here, woman, you know. Come on.
4: Come on. <laughs> we got plenty. We got plenty. I'll be back before then, won't
0: I? Yeah. <laughs> I'll be back in person before that before before that oh. or before I wake. Come on. You you know you're welcome anytime. Aww. Anytime. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. All right, you. You and I are going to hook up very, very, very soon. would love that. So that we can do, like, a real in-depth interview with all the fun stuff going on and catch up and figure out how much trouble we can get into.
4: Oh, probably quite a bit. So I look forward to
2: that.
0: (laughs) All right, you. Fun Size Horror, everywhere on VOD. Now, right this minute. Go watch it. It's fun. Okay. (laughs) Thank
4: you. (laughs) Thanks, Molly. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
0: And that was it, Fun Size Horror, and it is a whole lot of fun, and I have to say, even though Bitter is the, the film... I heard
1: the Bitter producer wasn't so, you know... Yeah, don't,
0: don't even go... The director,
1: I heard, is very talented. Net, I,
0: but I actually have to say, very as, as much as I love Bitter, <sighs> yes. out of everything on Fun Size Horror, I really do... My favorites are Knock Knock and Bad Eggs, Yes. I do admit when I like things better than my own projects. Wow. Okay. And, yeah, I actually do. Okay.
1: But bitter comes a close. Is right up there. It's, it's. Yeah, it's right up it's there. In the t- it's
0: in five. I had it's, a
1: great producer behind it. Yeah, well, I know that.
0: So. Um, but, yeah, so.
1: Very quickly, before yes. I wake, the leads are Kate Bosworth and Thomas Jane. Yes. Excellent. And the, I've seen some of the stills. It looks Yeah. Pretty cool, like psychological thriller. I can't wait to see it. So,
0: yeah. So, we will have, and hopefully, because it is Thomas and it is Kate, that come release time, we will get them on Behind the Lens. But we're going to take a short break right now, and we'll rejoin you momentarily on Behind the Lens. Behind the Lens is sponsored in part by the Culver City Observer. Located in the heart of Screenland, Culver City Observer is available in print and online at www.culvercityobserver.com. When gardening
2: is part of your life, it brings so much. Healthy eating, the freshest, most local produce, and playing in the dirt. At bonnieplants.com, you'll find all you need to succeed. When you grow Bonnie veggie and herb plants in beds or containers, you'll know where your food comes from. Homegrown veggies and herbs ready for cooking, eating, and enjoying. And you did it. So get growing with Bonnie Plants.
4: Hi, this is Patty Sharkey of Sharkey HR Radio, where we're putting human back into resources. Every Tuesday here at AdrenalineRadio.com between 11 and 12 p.m. I know the workplace can be kind of scary, but we're hoping that this is a safe environment to call in your questions.
0: You don't even have to say your real name. How fabulous is that? So give me a call or email me at sharkyhr at iCloud.com and I'd love to help you start to understand the workplace maybe just a little bit better. I'm here to listen to your questions and hopefully Help you
4: go through the system. Tuesdays 11 to 12 on adrenalinradio.com. And I really hope to hear from you. Thanks so much.
5: You might know me, I'm 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are fewer than six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next
3: meal is coming from.
5: These are your co workers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger is too close for us to ignore. So visit feedingamerica.org hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent, and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council.
0: And we are back, behind the lens. I'm Debbie Elias, and I'm sitting here with Greg Sriza Hello. And joining us right now is Director Vahi Kabuchian. Vahi, how are you?
5: I'm good. How's it going? Nice to meet you guys.
0: Nice to meet you, you too. Well, we've seen a little bit of your handiwork here with uh, The Party is Over.
5: Nice, nice.
0: And I have to say, very, very nice indeed. This is your first feature venture, yes?
5: Yes. Yes, it is.
0: Because I know you've done some shorts, but this is, I have to admit, I was very impressed, really, that you didn't, while you have some of the expected collegiate cliches, so to speak, you then add, you and your writer, Julian Camilleri, add this great subtext that is so engrossing and really elevates the substance and thematics of the film. Nicely done. Thank you. Where did the idea for the party is over come from?
5: Um, well, I Julian's one of my, you know, closest friends. So, I've been very lucky to know him since about 7th grade. So, we played football together and we went to college together. So, you can imagine all the stories that accumulate under your belt, all the experiences you share together. And the first time Julian gave me the script, I went through it, and I'm saying, hold on, I think I think that's me, and that happened to me, man. So there's like a mixture of all of our experiences, so I'm like there's no way we're not making this movie. I mean, we, we know some of these things. We know how they go, so let's just shape it and present it to the public. And I'm glad that you saw some of the weird things we saw. It was pretty much that it was pretty much that so
0: now with a lifetime of experiences between the two of you how do you call it down to pick out these three specific couples and basically focus on their three issues as the main tines of your fork so to speak
5: <laughs> that's a really good question that's a really good question if all the uh Characters of all the things we could have chosen, how did we end up with this?
0: Yeah, because... That's
5: a, that's we, a question better suited for, for Julian. But,
0: who flaked uh, today? We, were, we uh-huh.
5: were in a difficult time in our lives. You know, we're growing up, we were uh, about 23, 24, 25 at most around that time. You know, I, I hadn't had a girlfriend in a while struggling with those kind of things, working all the time. I'm kind of just feeling mostly down and kind of lonely. And uh, Julian was experiencing similar stuff. So I don't know. These things just come out, you know. These these stories just come out.
0: Okay, well, at first blush, when people see the party is over, they're going to see what we all have come to know and love about college films. You know, Animal House. I mean, immediately you think of Animal House the drunken party, the beer bottles, the red yeah, plastic yeah, yeah. cups all over the yard. Okay, now we want the truth Festival. here. How many parties did you have that looked like that? I'm guessing all of that was based it is it is perfectly in tune with real life experience.
5: We were we were limited by the the rules of the world which we all agree on, so you know, we can't have too many loud parties, and that that makes sense. I agree on that. I signed a social contract. So
1: mm-hmm.
5: we've had about uh, about five really big ones, and it was really, 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 really fun. So <laughs> we've had uh, about five big ones where we got in trouble, and then we said maybe we should tone it down a little. And then we realized that little parties are really fun, too. So it's kind of a, a mixture of kickbacks to full-blown insane, you know, Whatever you want to call
0: it, uh, I want to say a bad word, but I won't. Do, well, no, yeah we, yeah, we we try and keep. Things. I know. I
5: just filtered it. I just realized that.
0: <laughs>
1: just, just wondering <laughs> with, that was fun. with with your film, did you have a lot of a big budget to work with? Wondering how you got your financing together and just the the production schedule. How breakneck was it? A breakneck kind of schedule, or did you have a lot of days to shoot? Uh see?
5: yeah. You know, I'm. Uh, I've been lucky enough to be uh, learning and studying engineering for a while, so mm. I've kind of just on that end, the organization and it was, it was okay, to be honest. It was crazy, but I was very, very up for the organizational challenge, so that was like, cool. I wanted that. But I didn't know some of the mechanics of like filmmaking, you know? I, I made all the shorts and stuff, and when my dad told me, hey, you like making movies, so Julian's your friend, and I'm a crazy guy, so here's a little bit of money, and, you know, maybe we could start with that. Mm-hmm. Kind of just start off with that, and that that's literally how it started. My dad just saying, look, man, you're you're young. I see you like movies. Try it. Try it, you know?
0: Well, you know, one big ace in the hole that you have here is Kathy Baker came in as a producer on this film.
5: Absolutely. I mean, it, it's just a lucky set of coincidences, I feel, um, Kathy Baker is Julian's mom, and it's, in a way, it's kind of like a family movie. I was always working with uh, very closely with Julian, as I always have, you know, on everything we made. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that's the fun way to do it. Like, just, you know, just have fun. If you have the luxury, try and have fun, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
5: So Kathy Baker came in, and she really helped me interface with the actors, because back then it was just, you know, people come over to my house, okay, you stand there, and you walk and uh, give me a beer, things like that. It was just fun, fun, friend style, you know. So Kathy Baker taught me how to interface with actors, and Steve Robman, who's Julian's stepdad, mm-hmm. taught me a little more the, how the set work. Mm-hmm. So it was very, very lucky circumstances, and my dad also kind of just, you know, supporting the project, and they came aboard immediately. It grew from there.
0: Well, you know, one of the one of the couples and the storyline that really stands out that I think is perhaps the strongest one in the film is the aggressive ro- uh, sex play role uh, and the scenario between Fino and Nia. That yeah. is so yeah. tightly written. But what really sells it is not only Mickey Shilohan's performance, and I'll tell you, he's got all the makings. He's going to look back one day and be thanking you for casting him in this leading role because... He really has all the makings of a breakout star. But that, yeah. that, that storyline is so tight, and with the whole parental support of rather than a parent blaming their child for something based on first impression accusations, you've got parents, especially a mother, trying to help her son to clear his name and prove his innocence, and it's a testament yeah. between Kathy's work with Mickey and you casting Mickey. Very, very well done uh, element of this film.
5: Thank you, thank you. It was, um, Mickey was actually <clears throat> one of the tougher, um, he, you know, we had two choices, and we're like, we really want Mickey, and there were some scheduling conflicts, but I'm like, please, please just try. I like this guy, please, let's work with him. So things aligned on that end, too. It was a couple really nervous days, but it went well.
0: And, of course, a big casting coup for you was getting Kyle Mooney.
5: Oh, yeah. I mean, I again got real lucky on that. I mean, that's just Julian's, Julian hung out with them in USC, and that's just, you know, us being kids, so.
0: I mean, I'm a huge fan of Kyle's work on Hello, Ladies, and I know he's done SNL, um, that's, I mean, that's, you, you don't have slouch casting here. You did a really, you really did luck out. The stars aligned for you here, Vi.
5: Yeah, yeah. Me and, me and Julian together watch a lot of movies. I mean, you know, I do my work, it's like engineering. He writes his essays, and then we get home, and we're like, all right, well, what do you want to watch? So we, we watch a lot of movies together. We both realize we like them a lot. So we just keep talking about them, and... Julian has a real good knack of seeing the the human in the in the character. He has that. He has a good knack of seeing that, and I always support him. And I actually learned from him too. So we got lucky on the actors. I completely agree.
0: I mean, just I, I'm you know that's one of the things that really impressed me. The more I I got into watching the film, now what what would you say was the biggest? learning curve for you, besides interfacing with the actors
5: but okay, in going um, from the well, short
0: to the feature? For me,
5: for me um, since it was, our, it was my first feature film, I had to make sure that, you know, at least externally, my composure is very well set. So, for me, it was very important to get the first day correct. I made sure to, um, you know, take everyone out, the whole crew. To lunch, have beers with them because if all hell breaks loose, you know, they have to be on my side for, for this movie, you know? And uh, I remember the first day, first day you know, you say, uh, all right, well, uh, okay, roll sound, yada, yada, yada. And then you say, action. I was so excited. I said it way too early. They're like, hold on, we got to do this. I'm like, yeah, I know that. <laughs> I was just so excited, you know, and uh, the crew was super supportive. I, I, I made sure that they were all in a way my my friends and I was trying to get that mm-hmm. that feeling across.
0: Well, so, I, think, yeah. I think it definitely translates onto the screen that there was harmony and friendship going on behind behind the lens.
5: Yeah, it was honestly really. Fun. I wish you could have been there. You would have had a good time. Like we were just <laughs> uh, uh, you know shielded from the insanity and the time crunch as every production has. Mm-hmm. We, we were trying to laugh and say stupid jokes on the side. So.
0: Well, when you do your next set, I'll come do a set visit with you.
5: Yeah, please, seriously, come by, you know. What else are we going to do, you know?
1: I just have a very quick question. Uh, in the future, do you see yourself going on the engineering track and directing track as well, or is one uh, point... You know, I, I just literally
5: finished my, uh, my work, my graduate work, so I will need about a month to disconnect from pretty much emails and everything and then I'll be back with a decision and I think I'm I'm leaning a little towards engineering now but life without movies might as well just kill me now you know (laughs) you say you can't make another movie in your life oh okay why not you know
0: you know never cut yourself off
5: yeah it doesn't feel good thinking you can't you know if you choose a career track then you kind of shoot yourself in the foot but Right. That's a long discussion we can have another day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, because you love movies so much, what would you say are the movies that influenced you the most? Blues Brothers. <laughs> and that really does come through And the party is over, let me tell you. Okay, I buy that. Well, Blues
5: Brothers, I really love that movie. In, uh, in Armenia, we were one of the few families to have, uh, we were lucky enough, again, to have uh, a VCR, one of the top-loading ones, and I only had, like, two tapes, you know. It was very difficult. You'd have to go to people's houses to rent movies. So my uncle would always bring me Bruce Lee movies and Predator and, like, horrific movies that you should not be watching as a kid. So, you know, my parents got in arguments over that. It was fun as hell. And uh, Blues Brothers was the tape that I watched so much. That it, it kept ripping, so I kept opening it and just, like, gluing it on with my mom's nail polish remover. Oh, God. So, yeah, I know. It was—it ripped in everywhere. It was awesome. So I phonetically memorized that movie. I literally was on all day. It was kind of scary almost. Oh, and then when I moved to America, I started learning English. And so it was a weird, Blues Brothers is a weird movie for me.
0: But it is yeah. one you will never forget.
5: I will never forget, nor should I.
0: <laughs> well, Vahi, the party is over. It's in. It's on VOD now, correct? Yes. Uh, do you? Is it just digital download or VOD on time? It,
5: it's on. It's on iTunes. Uh, it's on VOD, and uh, you can get a lot more info at the website, which, which is, is www.partiesovermovie.com. So that's a good place for info.
0: Very good. Well, Vahi. Yeah. Thank you. Congratulations on the film. A job well done. First feature out of the box. I do hope that at some point you do bring in, do another film.
5: Yes, and I promise you and the audience that it will be at least twice as good, hopefully. You know, well, always improve. So. Well,
0: you do that, and I will come and do a set visit on your next film when you figure out what you're going to do.
5: <laughs> Sounds great. I, I hope to see you there.
0: Oh, you can <laughs> count on it. Bye! Thank you so much.
5: Thank you, you guys, very, very much, and good luck.
0: You too. Bye, bye. Bye, bye. And that was Vahi Gabucci, and the director of the party is over out now on VOD. Very enthusiastic young man.
1: Yeah, I've never seen a movie through and through all day like he did with the Blues Brothers. Well, so I have. Oh, okay. I have. Is there What movie was it? That,
0: we'll talk about that another, another time.
1: Another time, okay.
0: Right now, we are going to jump into something that has been late in coming um, because we've had mm-hmm. such jam-packed shows. Oh, My visit to Pixar. We're going to start filtering in Pixar now uh, for Inside Out. Um, um, number one, Pixar is amazing, but yeah. this film, Inside Out, is spectacular. While I was up there, I had a chance to do a lot to get in a lot of interviews with the director Pete Doctor, producer Jonas Rivera, the lighting tech director Angelique Reich, who we will play part of that interview in coming weeks. Animators, animation directors, story artists—absolutely. You guys are in for a treat when Inside Out comes out.
1: I was reading someone that's, that's a very emotionally charged film. Yes, movie.
0: because it is takes place in the mind of an 11-year-old named Riley oh. with all of her emotions who are joy, disgust, fear, sadness, and, of course, one of my favorites, anger. <laughs>
1: fear and, and sadness.
0: Your mind is set up yeah. as, as a headquarters. And wow. Wow. this comes yeah. from the imagination of Pete Doctor, based on watching his daughter oh, growing up. Yeah. And just the visuals, as comes as no surprise, a Pixar, Disney and Pixar, once again, they up the ante on the technical scale, incorporating some new technology here, taking an old technology, globe illumination, which was part of their RenderMan uh, complement back in the early 200s. It was used to a great success with Monsters University. But now, tweaking that because of the design of the individual characters, and particularly the main character, Joy, who kind of runs the emotional headquarters. And Joy is, a, as you will hear Pete Doctor uh, talk about momentarily here, she is the light source. And light sources don't, you can run into issues with shadows and then design of the characters and like a glow to them and a velour quality, a fuzzy quality that essentially look the way you think emotions would look. Mm. Mm. So here's what Mm. Pete Doctor and Jonas Rivera, a first excerpt of many more to come over the coming weeks, talking inside out. Yeah, Pete. One of the great things there are new color. There's a new color palette we're seeing here. A new on the on the color scale. Mm-hmm. How did you go about choosing the colors? And then, what is the new technology that you're using? You know, I know Big Hero 60 is the Hyperion, which was new and is proprietary to Disney. What is it? The new technology that allowed you to come up with that velour texture to the characters with the fairy dust glistening off. Yeah, isn't that cool? It's, it's gorgeous.
6: Yeah, we, we chose colors, you know, some of them from the get-go. We know we knew we wanted it to be a sort of a broad, comedic, caricatured world, right, inside headquarters. And so we designed the characters very stylized and, and pushed. And then we chose primary colors, you know, really opposite each other so that everybody occupies their own kind of space in the color spectrum. And some of them were obvious, like Anger, obviously, Red is kind of, you know, Iconic. So purple for fear is a little more like, well, we haven't used that color, so that'll be purple. Um, and then the the, the particles and the sparkling thing came from the desire to make it feel the way our emotions, uh, to look the way our emotions feel to us. You know, So we knew we didn't want them to look like uh, flesh or, or cloth or whatever. We wanted it to be something unique and different. So the technical folks worked out this amazing thing where, the animators work with a solid character the way we usually do, and then that's replaced by a fog. Mm-hmm. And in with the fog is uh, are all these frontward-facing um, dots that just kind of roil and move. So no matter where the camera goes, they orient to to face the cameras because they're flat little discs. And um, between those things, plus a little bit of glow, and there's quite a bit, you may have talked to the uh, lighting folks today, quite a bit of jiggery-pokery to get the... Glowing, especially on joy to work because we've never had a character that's a light source you know which uh was a challenge she doesn't if you, i don't know if you noticed she doesn't there's only two shots in the film that she has a shadow all the rest because you know it's like if you put a light on the table it wouldn't cast a shadow it cast light onto the surface so it, we kind of reverse that out
3: uh, but there's a lot of cheating that happens there too so you mentioned tools like Big Hero 6. It's kind of, and you'll hear from, I think you'll meet Andrew Lee later. We'll talk about lighting. But our biggest kind of tool advancement was, was called Global Illumination, which kind of went through like Monsters University, which, was, which sort of allows light to behave like light in the real world. It knows where practical lights are, and it casts shadows in it. He sort of does a lot of the, the work for you, which is great until you come up with a movie where you're completely asking your technical team to break the rules of how lighting behaves yeah. in the world, and there's no shadows and characters are yeah. so, you know. He starts yes, pitching this our technical team. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we just did, came up with this thing. God, there's, there's a line. You know, so we <laughs> tend to invert, you know, yeah. eat the gains a little bit, but um, I think they, they were really excited about the challenge of having something. As you said, to the director, like, like technical things are very literal, like they have to be. And, and Pete would come and say, like, I want it to feel this way. Or it should feel like, a, look like emotions feel. And so it was this very interpretive thing and in technical, which we thought was pretty cool. And love something that we hope looks unique and different.
0: And that was Pete Doctor, and producer Jonas Rivera. Uh, in the coming weeks you will hear from angelique as I said from Angelique Reich the lighting the lighting technical director and this new system tweaking that globe illumination with what is now called geometry light and it's really interesting and to watch how it's done is just amazing well
1: up close for you right
0: yeah mm,
1: yeah
0: you know so we will be hearing more about inside out. Uh, one of my favorite interviews was my one-on-one with Ralph Eggleston, the production designer, because so much of what he designs comes into play with how this geometry geometry, light and the global illumination works. It ha- Everything is done synergistically.
1: You know what's weird about Pete is he hasn't done a movie since – has he done a movie since Up? Probably no, not. So it's been about six years yeah. now, right? So.
0: But that's about what it takes to get one of these done.
1: That's so amazing.
0: I know. Well, there's a movie yeah. that it's not animated, it's not Disney-Pixar, but I think it's taken pretty close to that for it to get done. Cass and Dylan, Jason Priestley, you all know him from 90210 and a multitude of other things. Uh, he has directed episodic TV before, and he's done a couple telemovies, but he has now made the jump, the, the hyper jump, uh, into feature directing with Cass and Dylan. And for a first t- and a first-time feature director to end up with Richard Dreyfuss and Tatiana Maslany as two of your cast, I, the, I don't know what it is. The sun was shining down on you. Does he do a good job as a director? You think he is amazing. This oh. film, it is beautifully lensed. It's wonderfully acted. There's nuance. There's affection. The story is bittersweet, poignant, funny, heartbreaking. It is essentially boils down to a road picture. And as I told him, it's like Hope and Crosby eat your hearts out because this is a whole new layer and level of what we're seeing. So Mm. here's what Jason had to say about making Cass and Dylan. What? How early on did you get involved? Did you and Jesse come up with this together? Did Jesse have a script
2: first? Jesse, Jesse had a script. Um, Mark Montefiore optioned the script. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the two of them, the two of them met at a, at a script symposium or something like that. And, you know, and Jesse had some other script that, that had optioned, been optioned by somebody else. They were talking about the symposium. Mark liked her writing. Um, met with her. And said, "You know, they didn't have anything else?" She said, "Well, I got, you know, I got my writing sample." he gets the script has been a writing sample for a while and the two of them the two of them worked on it a little bit um Mark then took it out and tried to find a director uh uh it some you know it it came came across my desk um I read it I I liked the material you know it it felt like it felt like it was the right scale of movie to do as a as a first time film Mm -hmm. um but it also felt like something that I could I could make feel much bigger than it than it actually was, and, and I and I you know I I could I could see I could foresee a lot of the problems that were going to happen, and I, mm-hmm. I I I could I could also come up with a lot of creative solutions to get around those problems. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so I called so I called Mark and we talked about it, and we talked about it for for a, for quite a while actually, and then um and he liked what I had to say, so he uh, mm-hmm. so he hired me to come on as the director, and uh, Jesse and I then. Worked on the script for uh, for about eight or nine months, um, and then Mark called me and said, "Hey, I got the money. Let's go make a movie." <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Great, let's go make a movie." Um, and, um, and so we uh, so we uh, I, you know I, I went to Toronto and we cast Tatiana, uh-huh. and then we then we said about trying to find a, a cast um, that that proved to be a, a little bit more difficult. Uh-huh. Um, I sent the script to my agents here in uh, Los Angeles, uh, and uh, uh, my agent called back the next day, and he said, what do you think about Dreyfus? I said, uh, what do I think about Dreyfus? Do <laughs> you think we can get him? <laughs> and he said, uh, he said uh, maybe. I mean, if he likes it, he might do it. And I said, uh, okay. Do you want to send it to him? He said, I already sent I I like, said, okay. <laughs> and he called me back two days later, and wow. he said, Dreyfus wants to talk to you. Wow. And I said, okay. He said, here's his number, call him. And so I called him. And um, three hours later, Dreyfus was in. Wow. And that was that. Was that.
0: And the Jesse that uh, Jason's referring to is screenwriter Jesse Gabe. She comes out of a television background. Um, which is why the dialogue, it has a very comfortable, easy feel to it as you listen to the film. But, and I know we're only going to have time to do one more of my excerpts here with Jason. Um, one of the key elements, though, is he comes out of a very strong television background. So how does that impact how he works, and as, did, as does his cinematographer, Gerald Packer, who is an extremely amazing cinematographer, um, and tells and adds another whole layer of storytelling to the film. So I asked Jason about coming out of TV, Gerald coming out of TV, Jesse coming out of TV. Help, hindrance, how does it play out? The stars definitely align yeah. for this one. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. What I find really interesting with the, the back end of this film is that you come out of television, Jesse comes out of television, Gerald comes out of television. Yeah.
2: Does that help you as a director? Yeah. Well, I think you know, TV, TV is a great place to, to, to learn how to, to to learn how to do things on time and on budget because mm-hmm. you don't have a choice. Yeah. Um, and it's it's been a it's, it's it, it it also has been a great place for me to learn how to tell stories. Right. Okay. You know. I mean. It, you know, it's all storytelling, and whether you're telling a story in 22 minutes or 44 minutes, or 9 years minutes or 120 <laughs> minutes, it, it, you know, you're all, it's all storytelling. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, the, you know, the difference, the difference between television and films. You know, in film, you tell, you, you, you have to tell the story at a slightly different pace and, a, and on a much different scale. Mm-hmm. But that's that's, you know, the filmmaking process is the filmmaking process. Right. And it, it just depends, depends what medium you're shooting it for. Mm-hmm. You, know, I, I, you know, you're shooting a web series, you're shooting it for TV, you're shooting it for, as a feature. And that has to drive some of the decisions that you make. But, but the process is the process. Mm-hmm. you got, you got to rehearse it, you got to light it, you got to shoot it. You go rehearse <laughs> it, you light it, you shoot it. You know.
0: And words of wisdom from Jason Priestley.
2: Rehearse it, light it, shoot it.
0: That's, that's yeah. pretty much it. Well, that is all the time that we're going to have time for today. Um, Hopefully next week, play a little more of Jason. Hopefully. um,
1: Slow West, maybe?
0: Slow West. Quincy Rose is going to be joining us live. Uh, Quincy is son of Mickey Rose, screenwriting partner to Woody Allen, one of those, the half of the mind behind Bananas and other films Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, And Woody Allen just happens to be Quincy's godfather. Oh, nice. Uh, and one of the most delightful, delightful interviews I've ever had.
5: Mm. And
0: uh, I think everybody's gonna be utterly charmed and love hearing from Quincy next week, who'll be talking about his new film, Miles to Go, and an upcoming film mm. that is just now hitting the fest circuit Friends F and Friends F and Friends. And yes, that's the name of it. Oh, wow. So, that's it for today. We'll be back next week, and may the 4th be with you.